Let's begin in verse 1, Exodus 12. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. They shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pure, uh, puritans thereof. Ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning shall ye burn with fire." And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. Ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord." And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever." I want to stop reading right there. And I want to preach on this thought just for a moment this morning. I'm just going to simply title it, Because of the Blood. Because of the Blood. And I want to look in this chapter how we see a great picture of Christ and the blood that He shed for us on the cross. And I want you to know this, that when you study your Bible, you will never fully understand what you need to understand out of the Bible until you realize that the Bible is one book with one author that tells one story. And although there are 66 books of the Bible and there are a myriad of Bible stories that we could choose from this morning and we could pick out and we say, well, there's 
Over 40 different known writers that were used to compile the Word of God over a span of 1,500 years. This Bible that we hold in our hand was, was uh, pinned down by human penmen. But can I tell you, in the mind of God, it's always been a settled book. It's always been a settled issue. Psalm 119 says, Forever, O Lord, is Thy Word settled in heaven. And though I look at the Bible through the lens of dispensations, and I believe that is right, we must be careful not to chop up the Word of God into little tiny pieces where it is unrecognizable to, uh, from what God intended for our Bible to be. And that is one book with one author, uh, with one story. There is a scarlet cord of blood that runs all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And I'm here to tell you that the one story that is being told in our Bible is the story of redemption. And if you don't understand that, you won't get out of the Bible what you're supposed to get out of the Bible. It starts in the book of Genesis and it goes all the way to the book of Revelation and it tells the story how that creation and mankind was marred by sin and marred by, by wickedness and evil to an almost unrecognizable point. But yet when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law to to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Uh, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God with Him. And if you don't understand that the entire Bible is one story about redemption and about God redeeming us back to Himself through the blood of His own Son, then you will never fully get out of the Bible what you need to get out of the Bible. Jesus came and gave His life for sin so that we might be made new again. That is the story of the Word of God. Every story, every line, every, every verse, every word either points us to the cross or points us back to the cross. Every verse, every line, every word is about how mankind is messed up or how God loves messed up mankind and how God redeems messed up mankind. The whole Bible is about that one story. We're either looking for the Savior, we see the Savior, or we're looking back and praising the Savior for what He has done for us. And Calvary and the cross and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, these all describe the focal point of the Bible. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what He did on the cross of Calvary for our sin. We see it in the book of Genesis. We see it as God comes into the garden and He kills animals and so that He can make coats of skin to clothe Adam and Eve. What is that? That's a picture of Calvary. That's a picture of the cross. That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the blood sacrifice that Abel brings that was acceptable to God. That's a picture of Jesus that points to Calvary, that points us to the cross. We see the ark that enclosed Noah and his family and kept them safe from the judgment of God. What is that? That's Christ. Christ is that ark. We see, uh, we see the, the ram caught by his horns in the thicket that took the place of Isaac. Isaac didn't have to die. A ram died in his place. What is that. That's Calvary. That's the cross. That is the Lord Jesus Christ that took our place so we wouldn't have to die. It's all about Jesus. 
every offering, every feast, even every piece of furniture that is in the Old Testament tabernacle in the wilderness, it all points us to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did for us. It's all about Jesus. And this Passover lamb that we have read about this morning, And Exodus chapter number 12 is probably one of the greatest among great pictures of Calvary and the work of the cross that we have in our Bible. I'm not going to take time to give you the whole story. I'm going to take for granted that most of you know what's going on in our text this morning. Judgment was pronounced upon the land. This is the tenth and final plague upon Pharaoh and Egypt. And uh, the judgment was the firstborn son was going to die. And the only way to escape the judgment was through the blood of a lamb. And that lamb, as we read, it had to be without spot and it had to be without blemish. And then they had to take that blood and they had to apply it to the doorpost of the home. And that death angel was going to pass through. And only the homes that had the blood applied were the homes that were spared the judgment and the wrath of God and that God delivered them from judgment through the blood of the Lamb. God delivered them from bondage through the blood of the Lamb. Can you not see the picture right there? Can't you see what's going on? We're delivered from bondage. We're delivered from judgment but only through the blood. Ultimately the story that is in Exodus 12, it's not about what happened in Goshen but it points us to what happened on Golgotha on the cross of Christ where the Son of God, the Lamb of God, uh, He hung there and died for our sins. and We were the ones that were under the judgment of God. We were the ones that needed the blood applied uh, to our hearts. And God made a way of escape by providing a sinless, uh, uh, a perfect uh, uh, lamb without blemish, without spot. And one day, thank God, one day by faith, uh, the Holy Ghost of God, He applied the blood to my soul. And one day I put my faith and my trust in the Son of God and He He took His blood and He applied it to the doorposts of my heart. And I was immediately delivered from the wrath of God, from the judgment of God. Thank God I'm not going to know one millisecond of what it's like to be in hell. God has delivered me through His blood. I've been delivered from the bondage of sin. I've been delivered from the judgment of sin, but only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all because of the blood. Because of the blood. That's it. Our only hope, only we, the choir sings it, the only hope that we have in this old sinful world is anchored in the blood of the Lamb. As I began to look at this chapter, these verses, I began to see a few things, just some things popped out at me about some things that we have because of the blood. Some new things. Some things that we didn't have before, before the blood. Some things in Israel they didn't have before the blood was applied. Before God gave them this revelation of the Passover lamb. I want to point out just a few things and then we'll go to the house this morning. Number one, I want you to notice that there is a freshness that has been provided because of the blood. I want you to see the freshness that has been provided because of the blood. Do you see in verse number 2 that God makes a declaration? 
God makes a commandment in verse number 2. He said, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Do you see what God's doing in that verse right there? God just stepped out of nowhere and declared a brand new beginning. A brand new beginning in their life. God literally changed Israel's calendar to start with the very month that was the time in which the blood of the Lamb was shed and applied to their doorposts. God rearranged their schedule. God rearranged their entire calendar. And God stepped out and declared a brand new beginning. Can I tell you, that's what God did in all our life and in our heart when He saved you by His grace can I tell you that's when you really started living right there and only God can step in and erase the past and declare a fresh start and a brand new life and a brand new beginning only God can do something like that and I'm glad He can man tries to turn over new leaves and man tries to start over and they may try to reinvent themselves and they may try to begin again but only God can take the slave of sin and shame and guilt and wipe it all away and say from this point forward it's going to be a brand new life it's going to be a brand new a a brand new beginning in your life and I'm glad he did that for me the day that the blood was applied to my heart and my life I'm glad he erased my past and he said this is the day and can I tell you there's one birth that was killing me but there was another birth that God gave me that made me alive and it is when the blood was applied he gave me a fresh start isn't that what the world's looking for isn't that what they're longing for? They're longing for a fresh start. And people think they're going to find it in a new job. And they're thinking they're going to find it in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a new relationship. And they're going to find it in a new house and in a new location. Some people think they're going to find it in a new church. Or new, you can change whatever you want to. You can change jobs. You can change spouses. You can change houses. You can change cars. You can change uh, uh, your look and your hairstyle and your outfit. You can change your friends and your associations. You can change everything you want. But until God comes in your heart, absolutely nothing will change. Only God can take a black heart and wash it in red blood and make it whiter than snow. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm glad for the blood and the freshness that it gives and the new life that it gives. And it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. When did your life really start? I'll tell you when it started. It started when you got saved. Old songs that I just started living. Amen. Found me a brand new life. Changed my direction. Hallelujah. Washed away all my strife. Thank God. I'm glad God can give you a freshness. If you need a new beginning, you'll only find it in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll give you that fresh start. It's amazing to me. God said, we're going to start everything. This is where it all starts. This is where it begins. When that calendar turns over, we're going to start it with the blood every single year. It starts right there. That's where it's at. That's exactly where it's at. I'm thankful for a God who can declare new beginnings. And He does it through the blood. Not only do we see the freshness that has been provided because of the blood, but I want you to see something else. Got my attention. 
And that is the family that has been produced because of the blood. The family that has been produced because of the blood. Look at verse number 3. I want you to see something interesting here. It says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying... Now stop right there. Let me show you something. I want you to underline that word congregation because that is the first mention of the word congregation in your Bible. Up to this point, that word congregation has not been used at all, much less to describe the people of Israel. They've been called a people or the people or my people. They've been just called people. But when God purposes to redeem them by the blood, He starts calling them a congregation. Hallelujah. He starts calling them an assembly. That's what the word congregation means. It's the act of bringing together or assembling. In fact, if you do a little digging on this word, it literally means a family. They were not a family. They were not all together. They were not bound together until the blood was applied. It was only when God was going to redeem them out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb that He started referring to them as a congregation. They were not a congregation. They were just a people, but they were not a congregation congregation until they were washed in the blood. In fact, you go to the New Testament, Acts 7 calls them a a church, calls them the church in the wilderness. How about that? I'll let y'all figure all that out. All I know is that there there is something about this blood that brought them out of Egypt and now they are a family. Now they are a congregation. And can I tell you what the blood will do for you? Can I tell you what the blood did for you when you got saved? It put you into a family. It made you part of a congregation. Can I tell you, it's not water baptism that'll put you in the family. It's not church membership that'll put you in the family. Hey, it's not just hanging out around the church that'll put you in the family. It's not just doing good deeds and doing good works that'll put you in the family. The only thing that'll make you a part of the congregation, the only thing that God recognizes as being part of His family is when you are washed in His blood. And when the blood came on the scene, it birthed a family. <laughs> I'll tell you, the church, man, we're all a bunch of weirdos in here, aren't we? We are. We are. If you don't think so, everybody else does about you. You're the only one that don't think that. We all like a bunch of different stuff. We all have different tastes. We all have different preferences. We all have, we all have different things that, that, that move us and excite us and annoy us and all kind of things. We're different in all kind of ways. We're not here this morning because we all like the same things. We're not here this morning because we all agree on every little thing. We're not here this morning because we all like each other all the time. i tell you what binds us together as a family. i tell you what that common denominator is. We've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it weren't for Calvary, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with me, and I probably wouldn't want to have anything to do with you, but let me tell you what Calvary did in my life. It put a love down deep in my heart for the family of God. I know that I've passed from death unto life because I love the brethren. Amen. There's a love for the family in my heart. 
And God put me in the family. And that's what brings us together. That's why we love each other. And that's why we shout together and worship together and serve together and work together. You know why? Because God reached down in our lives one day and absolutely changed us by His grace. Washed us in the blood. That is what binds us together. That's what God birthed when He shed His blood on Calvary. Birthed a church, a family, a congregation. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. It's a freshness that has been provided. And there is a family that has been produced. And I'll give you one last one. Man, I'm preaching short this morning. Amen. I had about three other points, and I thought, man, this is going to be too long. I'm not even going to stick them in there. I may have to go grab them out of the office. Somebody going to change the lock on my door back here now. Let me show you one last one, and I'm done this morning. There's a feast that has been proclaimed. Because I'm, I'm looking for new things. That's what I'm looking for. Things they didn't have before. They got this calendar changed. Now they're a congregation. There's, there's, there's some more things. I, they got a future now. They got freedom now. God gave them favor when they spoiled the Egyptians. I, I, got, I, I got points all over the place now. But I'm going to preach about this feast for a minute and I'll be done. This feast that has been... Look, go all the way to verse 14, the end of our text here. It says, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. This is something that was brand new. They had never been told to have this feast before. It's God's command regarding worship for Israel. This meal, this Passover meal there to take this lamb and, and, and do according to all God's commandments here and, and the way they eat it, the way they prepare it, even, even, even the speed in which they eat it in, what, even what they wear, how they're, how they're dressed while, they, while they're eating. And they're supposed to be ready to have their, have their loins girded, ready to go, staff in your hand, ready to hit the road when you eat it. Oh, man, there's so much of that. But God's giving them a command exactly how they're to worship. This meal, it was not to be a one-time thing. It was not one and then done. God did not want them to ever forget what He did for them through the blood of the Lamb. This will forever be this escaping Egypt by the blood, escaping bondage by the blood. It will forever be a reference point for the nation of Israel. In fact, God many times, He, he refers to Himself as the God that brought you out of Egypt. He is referred to, Moses refers to God as the God that brought you out of Egypt. That's why it was such a sin. It was such a a, a slap in the face of God while in the wilderness Moses was on the mountain and and the people began to to, to go into idolatry. and They took those out. They made that golden calf and they set it up in the wilderness. And here's what Aaron said. He, He pointed everybody at that golden calf and said, Israel, here be thy gods that brought you out of Egypt. 
They gave credit to an idol for what God had did for them. Mm. Don't you know that was a slap in the face of God? Man, isn't that what idolatry is? And don't we, don't we struggle with that? Many times don't we give praise to the wrong God? We'll praise ourselves. We'll praise other things, our strength, our mind, our job, our church, our preacher, our this, our that. I'm going to tell you something. It's only God that is worthy of worship. If it wasn't for Him, all of us would be in hell this morning. We'd still be living in Egypt. We'd still be under the taskmaster. We'd still be in slavery and in bondage. It's God that brought us out. Can't do that to ourselves. They couldn't get out of town until the blood got them out of town. He's known as the God that brought them out of the land of Egypt. That's the reference point over and over and over. He never wanted them to forget what He had done for them. And so God instituted this feast like He did other feasts, but this one specifically was to keep them remembering, to remind them at all times that that God has brought you out of Egypt. It was so they could never forget. They had to every year, the, the calendar turned over and they would remember the new beginning that God gave them. Remember the new birth that God gave them. Remember the, uh, remember the, 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 the bondage that they did not have to be in any longer. They would, they would remember that over and over and every year they'd have to take that lamb and they'd have to sacrifice it and dress it and eat it just like they did in Egypt so they would never forget and God didn't want them just just to be a one and a done God wanted them to perpetually be reminded of what He had done for them and can I tell you when it comes to salvation it's not a one and done thing it's not we just it's not we just thank God that He saved us when we get saved it is a life of continual rejoicing and continual remembrance. In fact, I submit to you that we're most messed up when we forget what Jesus did for us. Our lives are most miserable when we get too far from Calvary. That's why there's all them songs about, Lord, keep me close to Calvary and draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. And, 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 uh, and, and Lord, keep me near the cross there, a precious fountain. We sing those songs. Why? Because we got to be reminded that we are nothing and we were nothing until Jesus found us. Why Jesus said in that, that upper room, that last supper with his disciples, he said, This do in remembrance of me. That Lord's table, that Lord's supper, it's a perpetual reminder of what Jesus did for us. It's a life, the Christian life is a life of continual worship. It's a life of worshiping over and over and over. And God instituted this feast so they would never forget what He had done for them and so they could pass it on to another generation. Look at verse number uh, 24. It says, And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as He hath promised that ye shall keep this service 
And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service that ye shall say, It is the Lord, is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when He smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worshipped. God said, I want you to have this feast. And so while you're cutting that lamb and while you're dressing that lamb and while you're preparing that unleavened bread, you got a little, got a little, uh, a little toddler come up to you and tell on you just a little bit and say, what are you doing? Why, why, are we, why are we doing this? Why does that lamb have to die? Why do we got to make this meal? Why are we doing all this? And so you can sit down and tell them and say, well, honey, let me tell you something. We used to be slaves in Egypt. We used to be in bondage in Egypt. But one day a, a God come to us and said, if you'll put this blood on your doorpost, I'm going to get you on out of here. And God delivered us by His precious blood of a, of a sacrificial lamb. And so we can tell them. Can I tell you why we come to church every Sunday? Let me tell you why we rejoice. Let me tell you why we shout. I hope our kids get real curious. And what are they shouting about? What's all that worship about? Man, we ought to have an answer for them this morning. Be able to look at them and say, well, let me tell you what God did for me. I don't ever want to get over what God has done for me. He brought me out of bondage. He brought me out of slavery. He brought me in to the land of victory. Thank God. It was a feast. It was a continual reminder that God had delivered them. We cannot but rejoice that we're saved by the blood of the crucified one. It's the blood of the cross that's redeemed me from sin. It's the blood of the cross that's reconciled me to God. It's the blood of the cross that continually cleanses me from sin. It's the blood of the cross that will be our theme in eternity when we gather around the throne of God out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. We're going to sing a new song and it's going to sound something like this. Thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. We'll be singing about the blood for all of eternity. It's not a passing fancy. It is the substance. Everything we have. Everything we are. And everything we do. Man, if there's any crowd that ought to be excited this morning, it ought to be us. And this crowd in, that we're reading about in Exodus, well, they just had a shadow. That's all they had. They just had a picture. They just had a finger pointing. They just had a, a, a vague... It's like looking through a glass darkly. They couldn't put it all together. They didn't understand what it all meant. They were just doing it by faith and because God had said so. And they got a shadow, but we have the, sus, the substance. They just had a promise. and We have the fulfillment. We can look back and see it all clearly, the plan of God and what God was doing and what God did and, and what God is doing right now. We can see it all. And then God help us if we can't look back at Calvary and get excited and worship Him. We shouldn't wait for some anniversary of our salvation to thank God, and that's good. I think somebody said, I think it was Miss Margaret Sunday School said just recently, just a couple week or so ago, the baby was born on her spiritual birthday. Isn't that a blessing? And I, if you got one of them marked on the calendar, praise the Lord. You ought to take it and just shout all over the place. But you don't have to wait for that to come around. You've got to wait for your first birth to celebrate or people think you're weird. Isn't that right? You, don't celebrate. you can't celebrate your birth all year long. Not your first one. You think, would y'all come to my birthday party if I had one every week? I think, man, what's wrong with that guy? He's selfish. He's conceited. 
I'm going to tell you something. We don't celebrate that one all year long, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can celebrate that second one all year long. Amen. You can invite me to help you celebrate that one anytime. I'd love to. Amen. We'll shout about it. We'll, we'll, we'll run, run around the house about it. I'll tell you what, you don't have to wait for an anniversary. Now listen, you don't have to wait for a revival. If you're waiting for a revival meeting, if you're waiting for some special preacher to get here, if you're waiting for some, some kind of date on the calendar, you say, well, I'll, I'll rejoice. I'll get excited about it then. Even if you're waiting for Sunday, you're waiting too long. Listen, any morning you wake up and you look around and you're not in the flames of hell, you ought to raise your hands toward heaven. Say, Lord, thank you for deliverance. Thank you for freedom every day of your life can be a continual feast when you realize how good God has been to you today's feast day tomorrow's feast day Tuesday will be feast day Amen. It's feast every day. It's, I mean, it's happy every day. I'm not saying we don't have trouble. I'm not saying we don't have sorrow. I'm not saying we don't have bad days. I ain't saying that at all. But as long as we got the blood applied to our soul, every single day can be a feast day. God said, I'm going to do this. this. I got something new for you to do because I don't want you to forget. I want you to look back and worship me continually, constantly, consistently what I did for you. Well, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for the blood. That's all I got. Miss Maddie's coming around. That's, that's, that's it. That is it. I don't have any good works to speak of. I'm not, man, I don't have, I, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. You're a mess. We're a mess. We're, we get together and we're just a bigger mess. But the only thing that's good about us is we've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful. Everything that I have this morning is because of the blood. It ought to be, hey, if it's been a while since you've celebrated feast day, and that's how you could always gauge the spirituality. Listen, you could always gauge the spirituality of the nation of Israel in relation to that feast right there, Passover. When they were backslid, they didn't, they didn't do it. When, when Israel was backslid, they did not do it. Remember, there was a king, Josiah. They found the book of the law. You know what the first thing he did was? Hey, we've got to have that Passover. We've been skipping it. We hadn't been doing what we're supposed to be doing. We have not been worshiping God for bringing our people out of Egypt. You can always, you can always. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying just because you shout real loud, that means we're spiritual. Amen. You can't tell by the honk of the horn how much gas is in the tank. My car, it, the horn don't even work anymore. That deer I hit, it messed it up. It don't, it don't make any noise. Now, I can't get mad and honking anybody now. I can still get mad. I just can't honk at people when I get mad. Now I have to roll down the window and let them know some things. But just because you make a lot of noise, that don't mean you've got the tank full. But I'm going to tell you something. You can tell where you are spiritually by if there's feasting going on. Is there a remembrance? Is there worship in your heart, in your life? When's the last time? You said, Lord, you are the one who brought me out, and I just want to take... I want to, we, don't, we don't sacrifice a lamb. We don't have to do that. The sacrifice, the, the, the last one's been made. Thank God for it. I'll tell you what we do. We do what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 13. We take that, that sacrifice of praise. It's the fruit of our lips. Giving what? Thanks to his name. That's our feast. That's, our, that's what we do. We come to the altar, and we put our praise on the altar. Say, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Everything that you got, everything that I got, everything we got, it's all because of the blood.
God help us. So there's everybody in this building, you either got one or two responses to this message this morning. There's one or two. You're in one category or the other. Either letter A, you need to be saved. You need to be washed in the blood. You either need to be saved or letter B, you need to be thankful. Either be saved or be thankful. Either ask the Lord to save you this morning or tell the Lord you love Him. Are you thankful for what He has done for you? Let's stand together all over the building.